0: Hey, Bridge City Church, Pastor Rick here. What an honor and privilege it is that I get to bring you an update on our One Vision campaign. What this is, is this is a three-year giving initiative that's over and above our regular tithes and offerings. Many of you decided in your heart what you can give and you made a very large and a very generous commitment. That's right, two years ago we began, I can't believe we're two years into it, with one year left to go. Two years ago, this is how much was committed, $1,825,578. What a blessing and what an honor that is and what a privilege it is to be able to give like this. But on behalf of all of our pastors and elders, I just wanna say thank you. Thank you for being so generous and so sacrificial in your giving. Thus far to date, we have received $961,478 and yes, 25 cents. Yeah, we're so grateful for that. And your giving has made a huge, huge difference. What this giving is going towards. What a joy it is to be a part of one church in four locations. So in different locations, it has been marked and we processed and planned and prayed for different projects. At our North Braddock location, we have already completed the outside entryway. And for those of you there and for all of us to participate in growth track and other events there, you have noted the, the, the cement work and the awnings and the lighting and those things. Well, we're not done there. We're just now starting to plan for new children's facilities, new rooms, a better facility and a better update specifically for kids. At our Brighton Heights campus, we actually saw a renovation of the entire auditorium, including chairs and carpet and paint. What a great uplift this has been. Oh, it's just so nice and and so crisp. It even looks bigger there. Every time I'm there, I just can't believe how great it looks. And then also, a new kids area is being planned out and purposed downstairs with a new entryway to get down to there and a new footprint for the building there as well. This is being planned right now at our White Oak campus. Now, anybody that's been at our White Oak campus knows we're running out of room there. That's right. Even with two worship experiences on Sunday morning, it is packed because people are coming there and they're experiencing Jesus in a very real way. So what we're continuing to do is save money for a new facility that we can purchase because we're leasing the one we're in, or a new facility or land in which we can build. We have just begun the process of looking and praying and preparing for where God would want the White Oak campus next. At Murraysville, the same thing, either a new facility or land in which we can build. So this is what we are, we're marking out that we're praying for, what we're believing for, and what we're sacrificing for, because in, in all of these facilities, it's the main way in which people come and they worship with us and they meet Jesus in a real way and they, they experience God in such a real, dynamic, life-changing, spiritually transforming way. That is, that's what we're all about here at Bridge City Church. But in addition to these projects, each year we decided from the very beginning of this two years ago that we would give $100,000 away in missions. In 2022, we gave that money just like we said we would. That money didn't go to anything internally for our church, but to bless ministries locally, uh, nationally, and around the world. This calendar year in 2023 are missions giving just out of the one vision campaign because actually we give more missions money away than this. We have given away so far $96,567. I know what you're thinking. That's a little less than 100 That's because we're not done with this year yet. And many of you are still giving on a monthly basis, on a weekly basis. So we're gonna give that other $3,000 away in missions. As a matter of fact, what we have is we have a special offering coming up at our Candlelight uh, Christmas services here. And we're gonna be giving money to Teen Challenge, which is a, an adult, a recovery program, and then also Refuge for Women. It's a ministry to help women that are homeless or women getting off the street and getting released from sex trafficking as well. What valid and good ministries to give to. So we're not done, but we're going to do exactly what we said. We are going to give away that money to missions. So when you give to the One Vision campaign, it's not only securing and helping our facilities become all that they can be so your friends, your coworkers, your relatives can come and experience Jesus with you. We're also building the kingdom of God, expanding Jesus's reach far beyond Bridge City Church. For that, I want to say thank you. You have made a big difference in the Ukraine. We have planted a school with the network of related pastors, a school of ministry, which pastors and church planters are being trained. That's right, your money has helped expand and launch many churches in other countries. We have given to Refuge for Women. We have given to the Buffalo Dream Center, the Pittsburgh Dream Center, and ministries like this, also in Guatemala. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Let's continue to be generous in this way. I want to read to you a couple verses here because over the past weeks we've been studying 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9. A couple verses in chapter 8, verse 10. The apostle Paul writing about an offering that they started to give before this and he's following up on that offering. Here's my advice. It would be good for you to finish what You started a year ago. Last year, you were the first who wanted to give, and you were the first to begin doing it. Now, you should finish what you started. Let the eagerness you showed in the beginning be matched now by your giving. Give in proportion to what you have. So this is it. We're, we're two years into a three year giving initiative. Let's enter this last year strong. Let's finish not only this year in December finishing strong, but let's go into the next 12 months finishing strong. Let's finish what we started. Now, for those of you that have been giving, thank you. For those of you that haven't participated yet, here's your opportunity. You can can either give a one-time generous gift to the One Vision campaign, or you should have received in the mail a card. And in just a moment, at your campus, we're going to be reviewing this card together. And you're going to have the opportunity to give a monthly gift. You can maybe give weekly or every other week or month. But how much can you give on on a regular basis, specifically towards this One Vision campaign? towards facilities in all four campuses, and missions as well. Because it's not an either or, it's an and. That's right, we're going to do both of these. So for some of you, maybe you made a big commitment and life changed. Something happened. Life happens like that. Listen, it's time for a fresh start, clean slate. Listen, we're not going to look back on what's happened. Let's look forward to what God can do with us and for us here. Three questions that we always ask in generous giving. That is, what can I give? What do I have? That's right. What do I have? Then we always ask, well, what can I give up? Is there something I can give up? No, not your rent money, not your electric bill. No, 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 no. How about those extras? Is there something that you can give up for the sake of the future, for Jesus' church? And then, what can I believe God for? Where does faith come into play? And that's so important. Because in 2 Corinthians 8, verse 11, whatever you give is acceptable. Here it is, if you give it eagerly and give according to what you have, not what you don't have. May we all ask, what do we have? What can I give? What can I give up? And what can we believe God for? Because together we can make a big difference, not just for our generation, but for the generation of people that are gonna come behind us and eventually call Bridge City Church their home, the place that they're gonna raise their kids, the place that they're going to be changed and transformed, the place that they're gonna begin a relationship with God and become fully devoted followers of Jesus. So here is what we are asking. In Ephesians chapter four, verses three and four, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Here it is, verse four, for there's one body, one spirit, just as you have been called with one glorious hope. For our future. Thank you so very much for being the awesome, most generous people on the planet.
1: Amen. Let's give it up for our lead pastor, Pastor Rick, for being an amazing and generous leader. You know, it's, it's never hard to, to ask for people in a church context, or really in any context, to be generous if you yourself are truly a generous person. And that's one of the amazing things about our lead pastor and his wife, Pastor Rick and Natalie. Not only do they, do they freely give of their financial resources, their treasure, they generously give of that as well as their time and as well as their ability so that we can all grow more like Jesus. You know, one of the things that can hinder our growth, this is one of the biggest blockages to growth in our lives, is when we think we've arrived. When we think we're enough like Jesus to, 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 to get the job done. Or, or when we, we think we're generous enough, or we're smart enough, or we're healthy enough. See, this, this factors into all facets and aspects of our lives but our spiritual lives is the most important one because the reality is this. The Bible clearly teaches us that all of this physical stuff will one day pass away. And some of you are probably like, well, then why are we raising all this money to do physical stuff? Well, because for now we still live in a physical reality where there are physically people who have an eternal soul, right? So we focus on this now, not because this is all it's about, but because these are the things that help us reach the eternal parts of people's lives. And so we always have room to grow. We always have room to get better. We always have room to look more like Jesus. (coughs) Excuse me. So as Pastor Rick said, uh, some of you that have been in in the One Vision campaign for a while, man, that's awesome. And (coughs) thank you so much. Excuse my cough here. Some of you who, who have been a part of the church but maybe didn't participate in it, like Pastor Rick said, you might have got this in the mail. Not This is not like a pushy thing, right? God loves a cheerful giver, a generous uh, giver. But maybe you're here today and, and you've never seen this or heard about that, but you'd like to, to prayerfully consider being a part of that. Well, if that's you, you know, you can just wave your hand. We'll have our ushers bring you one of these. And and while they're doing that, I just want to tell you about some of the things that that. We have happened and give you some of the vision for what is, is going to happen. So get your, get your hand up there so <clears throat> our ushers can see. So as Pastor Rick mentioned, our, our new entryway as done, that was something that when I became the campus pastor here a little over three years ago, uh, even before we reopened from COVID, I, I got on the phone to Pastor Rick and I said, is there any other way into that building? And not because the, the accesses weren't adequate. We have a, a, a handicap accessible entrance here. So if you have like a stroller, you're in a wheelchair, a cane, uh, someone that, that, that the stairs are a little bit much for, we, we, we accommodate that. But you know what? It was in the elements. It was in the rain. It was in the snow. And, and, and not only that, but you really didn't know where the main door was when you pulled onto this campus. You're like, okay, where do I go? And see, those things are important, not just so that we have a nice building. That's important. But those things are important because I don't want anyone to trip over anything in their attempts to get closer to Jesus. And so if they don't know where the entryway to the building is, that's kind of a big problem or if the entryway isn't accommodating, right? And so we, we, we took the time and, and we invested in that because it was important, because we wanted people to know before they walked through the door that, that there was a welcoming place on the other side of that door. We wanted people to experience before they even walked in the building, hey, We've been waiting for you. We want you to be comfortable and feel welcome here. Because if you meet any of the people, not just on our welcome team, but any of our Bridge City people, man, it's infectious. We've got so many amazing people that it's just like, yeah, but you know what? If it's daunting or difficult to get into the building, you'll never meet those people and maybe never know how amazing it could be inside of the building. And so we invested in that. Now, some of you might be familiar with the totally brand new kitchen renovation that we did. I'm excited about that. One of the reasons I'm really excited about that is this. No one vision campaign money went to that. Why? Because one, when we cast vision for this two years ago, we didn't cast vision for a kitchen the leadership of our campus believed that we would be able to do that just off of the regular tithes and offerings and we wouldn't have to go into the One Vision campaign. And guess what? You guys did it! (laughs) And so that means that we still have this One Vision campaign money available to do what Pastor Rick said, and I'm super excited about it, but we wanna revamp our kids space. For those of you that don't know, during the week, we rent rooms that we use for kids and different things like that we rent it to a daycare called kitty land 2 some of you probably thought it was kitty land 2 with a church that meets here on on weekend if you judge by the sign outside but amazing little kids and so we 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 lease that space to them right and and that for a while helped us to make ends meet as a church but another amazing testimony of your faithful giving and generosity is we have in the last year and a half been able to shift away from using any of the rental money that comes into the building from the daycare or we had Head Start for a while. We, we don't need that for operating costs. We can put that into our vision fund so that we can do bigger projects like a kitchen and different things like that. So Thank you so much for being the generous people that you are just with your regular tithes and offerings. But I want you to know, with that one vision money, we are going to transform this building into a place that not only functions for the people that lease space for us and make it a great place for them but we're going to make it a great place for us and for our kids as well. Because the kids in this church and the ones that are gonna start coming next week and the week after and the week after and years to come, they're not the church of tomorrow, they're the church of today. And we are going to spare no expense. We are going to leverage every effort that we can to ensure not one child gets lost to the devil or to the world, but they become faithful Faithful, productive, not just members in a church, but kingdom, spirit-filled followers of Jesus who will carry the good news and the transformative blessing of who God is out into the world that wants to snatch them and send them to hell. So we're gonna turn this hallway over here, right? There's, we're in a U, We want to turn this hallway here. We want to make that designated rental space. So Head Start and Kitty Land and whatever whatever people want to use that, they can use that for them. They'll have their own designated entrance. They can have their own uh, security, different things like that. And then we can make sure that this space is functional, not just on Sunday morning for our kids, but we want to provide a space where, where young people can be discipled. Our kids' ministry one of the things that we are very excited about, we have amazing kids leaders, and fun fact, we're always looking for more because you can never disciple kids enough. And if your goal is to reach as many kids as possible, we need to have as many leaders as possible. And so our, our kids ministry provides a space so us as adults, I have a one-year-old, and it's a lot easier to worship and connect with the Word of God. Could you imagine me preaching with my one-year-old right now? He would be running the show. And maybe you're here today, and you've got a little one. And look, we love rambunctious little ones. Stick around after the worship experience. You will see how much we love energetic kids. Because one of the things that I love, I didn't grow up in church. And one of the reasons why I didn't is because I always got yelled at for being a kid in church. Maybe that's why kids don't go to church. I'm just saying. So we want this to be a fun space within respectable things. We don't want them, you know, knocking people over or anything like that. But we want them to know that this is their space too. Because the goal isn't just for them to come and meet Jesus or just to grow and be like Jesus, but to raise their kids here as well. And so we're going to create designated kid space that that is an awesome space where people can come because here's the reality. If you're hearing my voice right now, you already have your seat. If you're a parent that's in here right now, your kids already have access to what's happening. Our thought, our heart, our goal is always about the parents or non-parents, whoever it is, who haven't filled a seat yet. Or their kids haven't had a shot. Well, a pastor I heard say it this way. He said, you've already paid for your chair. When you give, you're paying for your neighbor's chair. You're paying for that kid that annoys the fire out of you on the street. I'm telling you, I got him too. And I have to remember, that kid just needs Jesus. And then after he gets Jesus or she gets Jesus, they need discipling. Oh, a lot of discipling discipleship that goes beyond an hour and 30 minutes on a Sunday morning they need a student ministry and one of the things I'm really excited about is our our new student director Bruce Powell he's here with us today him and his wife Hannah so excited for what they are doing and how they're going to take our sixth through 12th grade age bridge city attenders to the next level in their walk with Jesus and you know what that, that takes money and intentionality. And that's why the One Vision campaign is important. And so if, if, you, if you need one of these and you, did, you missed it, you can still grab them, they're at the connection point. But I wanna encourage you to prayerfully consider what it would look like to participate in this initiative. You know, it takes a lot to make a disciple. And one of the things that I remember uh, in my early days of ministry, uh, my wife and I, we were church planners. We planted churches in in, in hoods, really. You know, I mean, just to be honest, with the first church I planted was down in Braddock, uh, where, where where church church metrics say don't go there. It's hard and there's no money, but that's where Jesus would go. I'm not saying that we shouldn't go to places where there's lots of money. It's just that's not where God called me. And so as I would go around and raise support for what we were doing there, because here's one of the amazing things. Even if you get a poor person, someone that that has has limited means saved, 10% of nothing's still nothing. That's why I love how Pastor Rick shared his heart in the video, it's just like, where can you start? What do you have to give? What can you give? Then you start asking the question, what can I give up? Because I've also noticed ministering in this area for a long enough time, I'd have people cuss me out because they didn't get a free book bag and we were giving away back to school supplies. And so I'd go out and buy one myself and I'd take it to where they lived, you know, in the projects or wherever it was. And they got cable TV and I didn't have cable TV. I remember one time I walked into Hawkins Village, which was a project that used to be over here in Hawkins Village, I tripped over a pair of J's, that's Jordan for you non-urban folks, Jordan's shoes, to bring their free book bag in. And so I want to provide needs, but you know what I really want to do? I want to help them understand that when they learn, like we've been learning these last several weeks in our core culture series, when you embrace a core Christian culture of generosity, God first, people next, then yourself, you will actually find out that not only will God help flip your circumstances and get you out of the, the chronic. I, 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 my family was generationally poor. Notice how I said was. Now, I ain't rich, but me and my wife are better off than where we were before. And one of the songs that we sang when we talk about I believe in Jesus, I can't deny. I wouldn't be where I was unless it was for Jesus. And it wasn't just because of his miracle power in my life. It was because I learned to be a follower of Jesus and I made generosity the, the priority in my life. Why? Because it's God's priority and so we want to we provide a space where we don't just help people meet Jesus, but where we make disciples because nowhere in the, scripture did people, did, in the scripture does Jesus say, go and make converts. It says, go and make disciples. And discipleship is a process. And we want to provide not just an environment, but individuals that are trained and equipped to make disciples because that's what the Bible calls us to do. And so as I would go out and raise resources to try to help reach people in these difficult situations, and here's, you've probably heard this saying, give a man a fish, he'll eat for a day. Teach a man to fish, he'll eat for a lifetime. And that's the approach that we wanna do. We, I love a handout, but I'd rather give a hand up. But I would go and I would remind people of God's economy. Because in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus says this. He says, what will it profit a man to gain the whole world, but lose his soul in the process? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? Matthew 16, 26, if I'm not mistaken. See, and we hear that, and that's a really good message to prick the heart of the person who wants to hold on to themselves, hold on to them stuff, not surrender and yield their life to Jesus, and then in accepting King Jesus, not Buddy Jesus, not lovesick boyfriend Jesus, not snuggle-bunny friends with benefits on the weekend Jesus, but the King of my life tells me to do me whatever I'm supposed to do, Jesus. When they really receive that Jesus, they realize they get everything Everything that belongs to him. But one of the amazing things is that passage of Scripture reveals to us God's economy, and here's it. You can look at that verse of Scripture and make the case, because if you couldn't give the whole world to save your soul, that means to me that one soul is worth more than the whole world. Now, I can't give the whole world for another person's soul, but I can ask myself, what can I give? what can I give up and what can I believe God for? Because here's the thing, God is more concerned with souls than your 401K. God is more concerned with souls than the comfortability or niceness of your attire. But here's the beautiful thing, he also is concerned with that. Matthew chapter six, Verses 25 through 34, it's in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus Jesus begins to tell his people, he 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 says, do not worry about what you will eat or drink, or about what you wear. Pagans run after these things. People who don't know God, people who reject God, they chase money, they chase status, they chase clout. But he tells us in Matthew chapter 6 verse 33 he says but you my followers you who are committing your life to me seek first my kingdom and its righteousness and guess what everything else the money that other people are chasing the clothes that other people are chasing the provision that you're desperately looking for Jesus says that will be added to you as well So that's the invitation that we're given to people when we invite them into a core culture of generosity and so today, just for these next few minutes, I want to ask you, ask us as a body, maybe this is your first time. Hope you come back. Maybe you've been here for a while, or maybe this is your second, third, you're like, ah, I really want to be with these people. I don't know if these are, this is my jam. Well, if it's not, like no harm, no foul, man. Different strokes for different folks. But this is who we are. We're a generous people, we're a selfless people, we're a serving people, we're a sacrificial people that want to model the core culture of the church that Jesus gave his life for almost 2,000 years ago. And my question for us today is this, what would it look like? What would your life and my life individually look like? What would our campus and our church, the three other locations that make up Bridge City Church with us, what would would they look like if we modeled this culture? What would our world look like if we modeled this culture? Acts chapter two, verses 42 through 44, gives us insight into the core culture of the church. We've been looking at this and 2 Corinthians eight and nine over the last couple of weeks, but if we want the results, we have to see what they did to get the outcomes that they had. Because here, here's some of the outcomes. Let's go to the next slide. We'll come back to the, here's some of the outcomes of a core Christian culture. Acts four thirty four. This isn't even in our text because this was an ongoing thing. There was no needy person among them. No no no. I know what you're thinking, oh, the poor people came in and the rich people took care of them. No, that's communism. Kingdom mentality takes the poor person and helps them to become the rich person so that they can then take care of the poor person who can then become the rich person. That's kingdom culture. And so when it says there were no needy among them, it wasn't because the people with big checkbooks took care of the people with no checkbooks. It was because the people who had whatever they had helped the other people prosper and grow so that they were all prospering and no one was lacking. Sign me up. They had favor with all the people. I don't know if you've checked or not, but I don't think our nation or our world really likes us. And the cool thing is this, Jesus said they weren't supposed to, but nevertheless, does, does Jesus leave a bad taste or a good taste in other people's mouths when you say that name or better yet, reflect who Jesus is? Because it don't matter what you say, if you're doing, don't match up with your saying but they had favor with all the people. And watch this, the Lord added to their number daily. Isn't that amazing? I've heard people say, like I said, I've been a church planner, God doesn't care about numbers. Yes, he does. Because every number is a soul. Every number is not even just a life change, but it's a family trajectory that's been redirected. How many of you in here today, your family trajectory has been redirected because you made the decision to follow Jesus and give your life to him? How many of you are excited that your kids are never gonna have to know what you went through because Jesus did a work in your life? I've got both hands and both feet up if I could. That's what generational kingdom culture will do. But God wants to add to our number. And he's not going to magically do it. You know what he's going to do? You're going to be like, hey, you should come see the new kitchen at my church. Or, man, our worship team is dope, man. You got to come listen to them sing about Jesus. Or wait till you see this kid's space that my church just built. See, that's why those things are important. Because... Everybody knows, you know, the shepherd's crook, the little candy cane staff that the shepherd has? Served multiple purposes. It served to protect the sheep from wolves. It served, the little hook part was because sheep are dumb and they get stuck in places and they could, they could loop that around the sheep and lift it out of, out of bad places. But at the beginning of every day and at the end of every day, the the shepherd, when he would lead the sheep out to pasture and then bring them back in to to the pen at the end of the night, he he would let them pass under that crook and he would count them. See, and the great thing about us being shepherds for Jesus is that a normal shepherd, a good day, was bringing back the same amount of sheep you went out with. Jesus anoints us and appoints us to bring back more sheep than we went out with. And we're gonna do it because that's what the outcome of Christian culture is. This is one of my favorite ones. People brought the sick and the afflicted. Do you know anybody that's sick or afflicted? You know, in, the, in, the, in Acts 5:16, where that's from, it actually says afflicted by demons. Do you know anybody that's tormented by the devil? Do you know anybody that is the devil? You don't have to raise hands. You don't have to look at them if they're in the room. You can just point them out. We'll get the prophetic team on them. But people brought the people that were sick and afflicted from miles around. to you, When you aim for what Jesus calls you to aim for, you don't have to go find people. They hear about what God is doing amongst you, and they come find you. And there are people in this room, because I've had conversations, several men. I'm, I, I can see right now. They... they 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 share with me like, and they're in like environments where it's like not Christian and then sometimes anti-Christian. And they're like, man, this is tough, but they keep wanting, they want me around. Yeah, because there's life in you. So you don't have to have a megaphone unless that's your calling. Let your life be a megaphone. Be the peace that enters the room when there's strife. And people will bring the sick and afflicted here. So, if we want those things, how many of you would like any one of those things, let alone all of those things? Anybody? Half of the room. Cool. We're, we're getting somewhere. Then, this is what we got to do. Acts 2, verse 42 through 44. And they, the disciples, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. See, if you want what they had, you have to do what they did, right? I was raised in a way where I would resent people that had money, because I was poor. Like I said, my mom was poor, like generationally poor. Like my mom was, made her own clothes and lived in an apartment building where all the apartments shared one bathroom on the floor poor, okay? My mom was government cheese was a good day, poor. And Anybody that's ever had government cheese knows that any day you got government cheese, it's a good day, come on, let's be honest. Let's be honest, Velveeta ain't got nothing on that white box with the black lettering, come on. That brick, you could build an igloo out of them joints, man. It's just woo, you melt that in, the, we didn't even have microwaves, you just put it on the stove, like you didn't have case, so you just cut a slab off. Come on, somebody. And you would put it in between the bread and you put the wax paper on the radiator and then put it on top and then get the, another wax paper and put the iron on it. See, y'all don't know poor if you don't know that. See, that's, that's grilled cheese to me, fam. Yeah. Feel the anointing of God in this place. But see, my mom would resent rich people because she thought that they got there just by magic. No, there was an investment. There was hard work. And if you want to have the things that someone else has, you have to be willing to do the other things too. And if you want the outcomes of core Christian culture in your life, sick and afflicted being healed, no need amongst us, people speaking well of us and God adding to our numbers, then we have to do what they did. And they did four things. They they actually five and then four, the other four came off of it. First, they were devoted. Ah, now now I'm coming at the, I go to church when I have time thing. I'm not, I'm not shooting, I'm not shooting shots. I'm just saying, look, what are you leaving on the table by being not as devoted as you could be? See, one of the reasons why devotion is tricky in our in our day and age, there's two primary reasons. One, because we're just a transient people, especially like 40 and under. Like, whereas if you're 40 and older, you would look for a career and stay there 30, 35, 40 years, right? 40 and under, there's just something because of the culture they grew up in. They're always like, I'll be here for three to six years and then on to the next and on to the next. They do that with relationships. That's why 40 and above, you got bad marriages that never broke up and 40 and under, you got marriages that never happen because they just keep hopping, 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 hopping. We have a devotion problem but one of the other reasons why devotion is tricky day, today is because there's so many things to be devoted to. We got sports, we got this, we got that, we got this. And there's nothing wrong with any of those things until they begin to take priority over the apostles teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and the prayers. See, and here's the amazing reality. You focus on those four things, you can do all the other stuff fun too. You just got, see, the word priority, its root word is prior. Prior means what comes before. Priorities are the things that come before other things. And we must be devoted to the priorities, the apostles' teaching. Not just the Bible, but biblical leadership as well. It wasn't Bible teaching, it was apostles' teaching. It wasn't a something, it was a someone. That's why we have connection groups. That's why we have teams that you can be a part of. Because... The apostles' teaching is important. That's where the shepherd crook comes in to protect you from the wolves. That's where the community is really built. You know, I I deal with a lot of people in some of their worst moments, some of their hardest, most difficult moments. It's a privilege that I get to have as a shepherd. But more often than than should be and more often than I'd like, people will come to me and they'll say, Pastor, I've got a problem, and they'll share the problem. And my first, my my default, Response is this. Have you talked to your connection group leader yet? Well, I I don't have a connection group leader. I said, there's your problem. Have you talked to your A-team leader yet? I'm not serving anywhere. (sighs) See, because here's the thing, it's not that people that are in groups and on teams don't have problems, it's just that they have a support system and a community around them so that when the problems come, the problem ain't a problem anymore because now it's coming against a group, not just an individual. The apostles' teaching, the fellowship. See, and that word gets thrown, food, fun, and fellowship, the three F's of ministry, praise God. Blow the shofar and wave the banner. It's time for potluck. Potluck. No, the fellowship, that word is koinonia. And it literally means contribution, a sharing of yourself or your resources. Ooh, see, you thought fellowship meant what we do when the worship experience is over and we just hang out and chit-chat in here till one o'clock or 1245 because you have got to get home before the Steeler game starts, you know? Unless you have put your chair out in front of your house so you can get in the house quicker. come on. Everybody knows they're going to be cardinals today. Kenny Pickett, they got Red Mac Canada. I'm just going to keep doing it until somebody laughs. laughs. No, but fellowship means you sharing yourself with other people. How do I do that? Get in a group and on a team. Take this card and ask yourself, what do I have? What can I give up? What can I believe God for? And put something on this card and put it into the basket with your regular tithe and offering. Why don't tither give? Well, then let's start there. See, that's what sharing yourself means. See, and the, the church in America has become consumer-based, but the church in the Bible is contributor-based because they had everything in common, it says. And they devoted themselves to not just leadership and teaching but they devoted themselves to devoting themselves to other people wow the breaking of the bread and the prayers that that seems simple but you know what you know what a meal meant in the ancient world because back then everybody didn't have food So a meal was provision and support and sustenance for others. See, when we get together at Eaton Park and have coffee and chit-chat over the Bible, we don't understand that, that, that back then not everybody had food. And so when you had meals together, you were saying, I care about you. I want to help sustain you. I want to support you. It also reflected what the Old Testament sacrificial system did because when you brought an animal into the temple to slaughter it, the blood was applied to whatever it was supposed to be applied to But then they would take the meat or the grain of that offering, and you would eat it with a priest as a symbolic sign that God had invited you into his abode to share a meal with you. And so, when we break bread, we are saying we are sharing a meal with God. See, this is what the meal was. We've lessened it in the church. It was a sign of hospitality and protection because back in the Bible days, it wasn't safe to be outside at night. And so you had a moral obligation, whether you were a follower of Jesus or a follower of Yahweh or not. If there was a stranger in your town and the sun was going down, you had to invite them into your house to provide them safety and protection through the hospitality of a meal. And the church devoted themselves to this lifestyle. And the last thing, I'm going to have Caden come up. They devoted themselves to the prayers. Prayers, plural. Not just praying once, and not just praying for what you need. There's different kinds of prayers. There's prayers of thanksgiving. There's prayers of supplication. You know a big part of prayer that they don't teach in church, especially in the West a lot, is the part where you sit and be quiet and let the other person do the talking, AKA God. See, this is a foundational element and that's why I'm so thankful for our intercessor team that is faithfully here eight to nine every Sunday morning praying, not just for the service, but for everything. And they're praying during the week. See, prayer is important. Prayer is necessary because it's foundational, because prayer is communication with God. It's how we hear his heart. It's how we present our needs to our heavenly father. How many of you are like me and you're the type of people that when you're in need, the last thing you want to do is ask somebody for help? Yeah, it doesn't work that way in Christian culture. We need to lose the independence of our American mindset and come back to the dependence upon God of our biblical mindset. And in being dependent on God, we're dependent on one another as well. But prayer, it's a vertical interaction that requires horizontal participation. Because every one of us should have our prayer closet and our quiet time or whatever you call it. But the prayers that they're talking about here is corporate, public, praying together. Where even if you don't say words, you hear somebody, and and I don't know about you, but but when I hear someone else pray for me, it makes me wanna fall down and weep. Because it communicates to me that somebody cares enough about me to talk to the creator of the universe on my behalf. That's what prayer is. You have a direct line to the creator of the universe. Prayer for one another is great, but prayer with one another is powerful. Because in Acts chapter 4, verse 31, it says, and when they had prayed, not before, when, at that time and following, the place in which they were gathered was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they continued to speak the word of God with boldness. What might it look like if we embodied a core Christian culture? Places shaking, spirit filling The word of God going forth with boldness, not just to see people come to Jesus, but to cast out devils and speak healing and life over a broken world. People coming to be healed of their sickness and affliction. Kids being discipled and learning that when they're kids, So that they don't have to learn it when they're adults and be deprogrammed from all the crap they learned growing up. They get it when they're kids and then they just walk into a hospital and pray for people and they get well. They speak life into their, they don't have to wait for for a school board to say something. They can stand up in their classroom and say, that's inappropriate, that's not of God and I won't stand for that. What would it look like? What would your life look like? I have a testimony here from a gentleman who's kinda new to our, 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 our congregation, great guy. He just shared it with me. It was sparked by what we've been talking about with this core culture, and he shared with me the story of how he serves in the military. He came home from deployment but he had some medical ailments. And so it kept him from going back to, to his normal job and getting back to work. And so he, he's been wrestling, not just with these issues, but like, you, you gotta eat. And so he's, he's going through the VA, he's, he's dealing with the Wounded Warrior Project, trying to get this, this case heard, trying to get resources that are rightfully his, that should be his, but hasn't been able to access them yet. So he was doing his devotions one day, and the Holy Spirit led him to Malachi chapter three, and that's the famous passage where, where God says, Test me in this, your tithes and your offerings. And he said, Oh man, that got me. Because he said, You realize I, I hadn't been tithing. But like I said earlier, 10% of nothing's nothing. And so he started asking himself, Okay, well, what can I give? can I give up what can I believe God for so he started thinking at it like most of us many of us it kind of falls by the wayside and we just we feel the moment and then it kind of passes and then life comes in like pastor rick said right so months later him and his fiance they're they're doing their devotions and he asked her what she was reading and she said numbers chapter 22 and he's like who reads through numbers man and i'm like i i read through numbers um but it's the story of the prophet Balaam. Some of you might remember it if you went to Sunday school. He was, he was a prophet of the Lord who was called by the enemies of God's people to come and speak curses over God's people, right? And God gives him permission to go, but only if he says what God tells him to say, AKA blessing. Well, Balaam was more worried about the money he was gonna get for the job than doing what God wanted him to do. He lost sight of what God wanted him to do and because he lost sight of what God wanted him to do, he lost sight of God and Balaam didn't even realize that God had sent angels to oppose him and cause problems in his life and Balaam had to have the donkey say like, hey bro, there's an angel trying to stop ya. Like if, look, I'm not gonna use the King James word for donkey but if a King James donkey starts speaking to you, you're, you're, you're the King James donkey, I'm just. And he said, I heard that and he said, you know what, man? I was reading the same thing. And he remembered what, he, what God had put on his heart and so they looked at what they did have. Because when God first started speaking to them, God had put uh, giving to an orphanage, a Christian orphanage. On their heart. And so he said, Well, let's pull what we can together and let's bless this orphanage. And so that's what they did. Not trying to get something, but just being obedient, just trusting God. And he said, Within one hour of that deposit in the orphanage, he got an email that his request for financial help was being reviewed by the Wounded Warrior Project. and then two days later he realized that at the same time, the VA started reviewing his case as well. You said, see, what might happen in your life if you adopt the core culture of trusting God and doing what he says to do and live a selfless-serving, sacrificial life of generosity that prioritizes the apostles' teaching, contributing yourself to others, breaking bread and praying? What might your life look like? What might this church look like? What might our world look like? If we just said, to heck with it, God, it's all yours. Just show us where to go and what to do. To do I'd like to see what God might do through a people who will live like that. And I want to invite you to do it with me. So whether it's one vision campaign or getting in a group, getting on a team, go the next steps right after the worship experience because some teams you got to go through next steps to do. whether it was the ushers get ready to come and receive the tithes and offerings and as Sandra and Thomas come up to give you instructions and some other amazing ways to get involved, my challenge for you is this, what might not be happening because you haven't taken that next step of core Christian culture in your life and devoted yourself to something bigger than you? I said it last week. God is waiting for our generosity so that he can show us just how generous he is. And it's so that we don't just aren't blessed, but so that the world can be blessed. How many of you believe that God wants to bless our world? Then you have to believe that you're the conduit that he's.